This episode of Good Sheilas is proudly brought to you by a brilliant lady startup, Radiant Soul Yoga. Founded and run by our wonderful Sheila, Danny, Radiant Soul has a dedicated online platform for yoga practice that is authentic, warm, and balanced. There's room to laugh, release our ISO rage, and show up in being totally safe and ragged trackies rather than Lululemon. Mm-hmm. Online yoga means your body can make all the noises it's capable of. Good. So if ISO's left you with a limp personality like Claire's and a <laughs> weathered body like Bronze, Get stuck into their online courses. If you're a beginner, expecting a baby, an experienced yogi, or want to introduce yoga to the kids, Radial Soul has a course for you. Yes, someone can teach our kids. <laughs> Finally. Good Sheila's listeners get a massive 20% off by entering Good Sheila's at checkout for all of September. Ooh. Check out our Instagram for all the details. Fun fact about Bron. When she was in year 10, she had such a huge crush on a teacher that she spent all of her free sessions doing his paperwork. (laughs) She would go to his office and put the framed photo of him and his wife on their wedding day down so she could see it and did her work on his desk. Like, fixed, right? She's dead. She's gone. (laughs) You love me now. (laughs) You come back every day. And the photo would be back up again. He'd have to put it back up himself. I refuse to put it up. We never said anything. And why did he let me do his work? It's it really creepy. Really creepy. I can't believe it happened. I can't believe you're not married to him now. <laughs> that was the 40s. It was a different time. <laughs> Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas! Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas! We are in your ears again. Why? <laughs> when will we stop? We remain flabbergasted at the amount of listeners we're getting. And we're starting to think it's because people are just tuning in to hear what word Claire can't say. (laughs) Now, now, Bron. I'm a very successful module. (laughs) That is not a word. Now we're all flabbergasted. Righto, mate. How's your week been? And I just, I love this so much because sometimes we put show notes in and this is my show note from Bron today. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Claire and I have too many dogs. You do. <laughs> I am one dog. That is so annoying. <laughs> oh, but how has your week been? Um, it has been... It's been all right. What day is it? I never and know who knows. what day. I don't know. Uh, it's a different day to what it was yesterday, and it feels like it's still yesterday. It's still tomorrow. Yeah. What is time? <laughs> who am I? <laughs> uh, it has been. It's been all right. I have, for those keen to um, keen to know an update on my trampoline, I have moved it to the backyard. Oh, the shame got to you. It honestly lasted sixteen hours. Oh my god. I've had a number. Some people picture take pictures of trampolines in front yards and send them to me. So I got online bullying. Oh 
my god, about it. they doxed you. It was it was <laughs> around Brussels sprouts. Yeah, look, and I and I had to like very passionately explain that I have moved it to the backyard, and I feel like I'm just digging a hole. Like people are, I think people are sending it to me to say it's normal, and I'm saying to them, I don't accept it. Yeah, <laughs> you are saying you're all pieces of shit, so especially sorry. Claire. Especially. <laughs> Too many dogs. What did I say? How's your week been? Oh, mate, you know, just working and working and wondering where my life has gone and where it is going. Just you work usual. I do work heaps. I did an all-nighter this week. That sounds disgusting. Well, that's a lie. I, did, I slept for a couple of hours. So it was completely lies. lies. Exactly. <laughs> this is the worst podcast <laughs> ever. Yeah, it was it's brutal. Just a really big board paper. And, yeah, I, I, felt, I felt like I was 20 at law school again. But back then I could – Snort dexamphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got too many kids. <laughs> so many kids. So many kids. What are you doing, Mum? Oh, yesterday I was just like, I've realised how bad I've gotten at just little disruptions to my routine because I'm a chronic insomniac. A normal night I get maybe four or five hours sleep, and that's that that's pale. just normal. Like it's actually quite productive. Most of the most magnificent people in the world are insomniacs, like um, Tori Spelling. <laughs> For example. Yes, she's handled life very well. <laughs> you have a little bump on your head. Can I do. You, can you explain that to us? So I was I was moving around the world in my five kilometer bubble and I went outside <laughs> to get in my car. And you know me, Bron, I don't do anything by halves, right? Mm-hmm. It is all fucking all or absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I opened the car door with the strength and power of a thousand suns, but I opened it right into my face. Smashed into your face. Smashed and why? it. Is it because you were wanting to do that or because you have not had enough sleep? I just, I cannot figure it out. <laughs> Maybe I was a wee bit tired. A little, yeah, but pretty so naked. And now I've got this like, um, it's, it would quite be quite a bad, quite a bad egg, you would say. Yeah, when you texted me and said what you'd done, I was like, "Do you need me to take you to the doctor?" I and like blacked out. It was really intense. Like my, <laughs> I would have paid so much money to see it. <laughs> well, it's just, look, mate. It's a good thing we can't move around the world because I am a bit Humpty Dumpty. You are the clumsy. If anyone has ever seen any car that Claire's ever driven, <laughs> you will wonder. How this woman never got her license. I don't know how I'm not dead. I don't know. It's amazing. Actually, I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Word of the day. But you do. You're clumsy clucks. And also you, um, you are sending me the most outrageous things. I'll, I'll get an email from Claire. I'll open it and it will be some BuzzFeed thing. And Claire will be like, I'm bawling my eyes out with the second and third one. And it would just, no, I don't even know how anyone would, it's not even supposed to be sad. It's just like, here's my, uh, here's what I look like in high school and here's what I look like now. It's just a picture of a teenager and then a pic- picture of a grown up. I'm like, do you know these people? They grew up. <laughs> this time is beautiful. <laughs> You're tired, mate. You need more sleep. I'm fine. You absolutely need more sleep. But we are. We, we should talk about something on the we podcast today. We should talk today. about something on the podcast. We talked about my face. We talked about trampolines. Let's segue. Let's talk about the internet. 
Good. Don't cry. <laughs> God. Okay, we are living in an age of intense online social connection. 3.81 billion people worldwide use social media. In Australia, 18 million of us are on some form. Mostly Facebook for millennials and Instagram for Gen Z. Which one is we? We are, um, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I have no idea. We're one if of I them. look at that, it's not Facebook. No, we're, we're the Instagram generation. We're the right? youngest ones. We're young. We're very young. We're 50. Exactly. <laughs> we use it to mark social milestones. Nearly half of us reported in a recent piece of research by an Australian university that we'd mark a big life event like a baby or a wedding immediately with mm. a social media share. And we share the most mundane bits of our lives, from what we're cooking to our boring children. The social dilemma. It is incredible. Who has seen it? Not me. <laughs> so many people and not Claire. Not me. I'm Why? too busy. I'm on social media. <laughs> Good. Well, let me explain it to you. The Social Dilemma is directed by Jeff Orlowski, and it's a Netflix documentary that explores the history behind social media. It goes into detail about all of the ways it's changed society and effectively how we think and function as humanity. It is bloody well informed as well. It unveils an impressive list of interviews, interviewees, interview. That's your job. Yeah, my girl. I smashed my face into a door. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of interviewees comprising of prominent Silicon Valley nerds, the coders and designers behind. Gmail, Gchat, Google Drive, Facebook's like button. Oh, wow. Yeah, someone invented that. That's incredible. I know. I love nerds. I know, that's delightful, but also very damaging. <laughs> yes. Let me continue. They design <laughs> Facebook pages. Largely, They're largely responsible for shaping our digital lives. And it features former senior executives from the major tech companies, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Then there are Harvard and New York University professors, the scholars who've studied drug addiction and the spread of malign uh, narratives on social media, and the founder of virtual reality. So it is full of people who know what they're talking about. Everyone. Anyone who's anyone. Anyone who's anyone is on it. So what are some of the things that impacted you from this show, Bronson? Oh, heaps. I keep, I think about it, I think about it so much, and I always knew that social media was going to be, was had an enormous impact on it but this film this documentary um because they unpack it and because of the people who are speaking on it it just made me think oh my gosh this is bonkers that we've let it get this far so i learned that for a service that acts as a free thing it's anything but Mm. Uh, social media media makes us pay in all ways possible financial psychological moral it's such an expensive uh, thing and it's affecting 2.7 billion users. It has been um, unprecedented in human history. And so have the earnings of tech giants in trillions of dollars. Oh, That's man. more than you have. That's more than $100. That's <laughs> more. Way more. That's like, more than we get paid for this podcast. ten times more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Our Stevie school goes very well. <laughs> It's because every single move we make, every click, every Google search is monitored and we're fed ads constantly. Claire, this is why you're constantly being sent ads about how to act properly in public. <laughs> Stop taking your clothes Sick off. Sick burn. <laughs> 
social media also impacts the way our brain works. The human brain reacts to social connection in the same ways online as it does offline. It pumps out oxytocin or the cuddling love hormone when we get a like on Insta or a comment on Facebook. The same reaction also creates addiction. We're drawn to these sites, particularly when we're not feeling connected in real life. In 2018, a study by the University of Pennsylvania found that there's a direct correlation between depression and loneliness and social media usage. The more you use it, the more likely you are to report negative effects on your well-being. And advertisers know this and use it to their advantage with a wave of advertisements called neuromarking, marketing, neuromarketing thing. Using our Facebook. so articulate today. And so they use our human need for connection to sell shit. What ads do you get, bro? Oh my god, I get so many ads for parenting stuff. Oh, rude. I know. Why would I buy something for the hardest job? Why would I do that? I'm paying enough as is in my soul, in my spirit, my body. Just, I get lots of stuff like that. I'll get, and sometimes I get worried about some of the things that I do get sent. Like Mm. for a while there I got sent, um, how to have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Oh God. I "I didn't even look that that up. I wasn't even posting anything, but I don't know. I don't know what they did, but they got right into my psyche and call me an alcoholic. It's so rude. Now my feelings. What yeah. about you? What ads do you get? So it's interesting. I've noticed a real shift recently because, um, as our dear listeners know, I am soon to be a divorcee, um, which is very thrilling. And before I was divorced, it was all like, how to save your marriage. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did it work? Hashtag. Did it work? <laughs> Instagram. Thank you, guys, for nothing. You obviously did not click on I them. I didn't click on them. Fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm busy. Um, and now, because I'm, you know, um, in in the the romantic world, um, it's like bed linen and sexy undies. Oh. And also lots of cosmetic surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Real kick in the dick, right? Yeah. Oh, I guess I get lots of... For a while there, I think it was after the girls were born, I got lots of um, weight loss stuff. Yeah, I've got heaps of ads for like different kind of fitness programs. Yeah. Like, um, skin creams, like lots of ads to, well, this is really rude, like yoga to change the shape of your face. Yoga for your face. Yeah, so you can would, change your I face. I really like you to video, you have to do it. <laughs> I need video and I'm putting it on Instagram. My face hurts too much. <laughs> Smash your face, yoga. But the, the awful thing about it is that, all of those things that are clicking into our vulnerability, right? Yeah. Like these ads that I'm getting right now are like, are you hot enough? Oh. Are your undies lovely enough? No. Is your skin good? No. <laughs> There's like, everything is a firm no. Like, don't <laughs> ask me that. These hypothetical, like, these like rhetorical questions. No, like, exactly. What have you done with your life? Oh, I don't know. Are your undies nice enough? Who has nice undies? Fuck off, Facebook. But the thing is that they're, they're getting into our vulnerabilities yeah. and they're making us buy things and they're making us buy things by making us feel things and those things are bad about ourselves they are bad so these websites have become so personalized to each and every user that we are constantly being told what we like and what we should buy and there is truth to it we often do want to buy these things and we want to follow that person or we want to watch these things because it knows everything about us and as a result we're trapped in 2.7 billion realities with 2.7 billion facts that's that's bananas mate and the, the the really fascinating thing is that it also has a democratic impact right like 
because we are in these bubbles, particularly Facebook, um, where we are attracted to other users and pointed towards pages that align with our particular political ideologies, mm-hmm. and then we get tra- trapped in echo chambers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's del- that's deliberate. It's not accidental. Mm-hmm. It's deliberate algorithms to draw people who have the same kind of values and the same ways of seeing the world together, and that's dangerous. Oh yeah. I- as, as if you're going to follow someone who votes for a completely different party who's constantly posting why they love that party. Exactly. You just can't unfollow them because you can't be bothered. You can't be bothered watching that. It makes it makes you angry. It's so much easier to fill your page or to fill your wall or whatever with just people who are doing really hopeful things that, in things that you find valuable. Yeah. And this is that's exactly what the people who disagree with everything that you believe in are doing as well. And exactly. So what we've got is people who've just got enormously different ideas on how the world should be and their views are immovable because they're constantly being told that they are right and they think and they're surrounded by people who think the same thing so they think that is the world and so we've lost our abilities through these websites to have genuine kind of interactive conversation about our differences we're just in we're just in these kind of reinforcing bubbles and yeah. it has it, it i think it, it really doesn't just affect the way we see ourselves when we interact with each other it affects the way that we see the world and how we vote and how we engage yeah. politically how, yeah how we understand it so do you remember when trump got in do you mm, remember where you were i was i do i was at my job at, at um a government agency i won't say which one and we were all sitting at our computers, like refreshing, refreshing this horrendous page. And everyone was so horrified and shocked because it was one of those moments where you're like, this is what the world is. And it was gutting, mm. I, even though I, it's that strange thing where we look to America as like, you know, the, the, cause you know, they're the most powerful state in the world as the kind of the representation of how the rest of the world is going. And I remember just feeling absolutely shocked and then looking around and realizing that there are a great deal of people in my workplace who are actually quite thrilled. There was this one particular bloke who once yelled at me because I made an off the cuff comment about privileged white men and yelled because he was so upset because he'd worked really hard his whole life and he found that those comments were discriminatory, which was cool. <laughs> that he was really Did you pronounce all the words right. <laughs> Privileged. Get your privileged self out of my way. Maybe that's why he was upset. Yeah, probably. <laughs> She's having a stroke. Um, but he was really thrilled. And I had that awful moment where I was like, oh, God, like, this is coming for us. And it did. Mm, mm. I, the Trump thing threw me, but it made me understand a lot of stuff mm. because I didn't expect it. And everything that I had been following indicated that it was, of course it was going to be Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. It Broad City was like, definitely. I was like, they know everything. Alana would never lie to me. <laughs> she would never. And so I had all of these, everything that I, every one that I seem to think is smart, uh, or especially me, <laughs> not you. I assumed you voted for Trump. <laughs> Even though it didn't count, I'm sure he sent a letter to someone. I said, "Be your number one, Trump. Make America great again. Love, Claire." <laughs> but it is. I did, like. I remember feeling like, "Well, that's really confronting." But I also had the same feeling in, with when Brexit happened. Yeah, Brexit was devastating, and also, I mean, the recent Australian election. It was an indictment on on whether or not people valued their tax credits and their, their you know, their retirement yeah. savings over bloody social justice issues. And mm. spoiler alert, we care more about franking credits than we do about human life. Yeah, I still don't know what they are. 
nor do I know what human life is anymore. <laughs> I care not for it. But the last thing that I learned, and this one was really, this one made me, um, as a mother of young girls who will inevitably get social media one day, this one hit me right in the dick, was um, the increase of young users, namely girls in the age bracket of 10 to 14, it increases 300% in wow. like the past, I don't know, five years. And that trend is directly mirrored with suicide rates. Oh, wow. So 10 years old. So do, you know what I do you know what I learned when I was 10? I remember the exact moment I was sitting in my nan's house, sitting on a lounge, and I was eating um, hot chips. Mm. It was maybe nine in the morning. <laughs> Who cares? It was Tuesday. I, but I did. <laughs> exactly. It was a big day for me. I was eating my hot chips and they were delicious. And I... This was this. It's actually a really huge moment in my life, and it just seemed like over hot chips. On the surface, it's about hot chips, but deep down, it changed everything. And I was eating these hot chips, and my nan said to me, um, uh, "You know, there's some people who don't eat hot chips." And this was not nan being nasty. This was just a conversation. I don't know how it came about. I was like, "Oh, why? They're so yum." And she said, "Well, they're not very good for you." I was like. But they're just chips. Like, everyone eats chips. She was like, no, they're not. Like, they actually, if you eat too much of them, you actually get quite fat. And I was like, what? Like, it blew my mind. I was like, it's just potatoes. Like, But then, from then on, I cha that changed the way I looked at chips. And that changed the way I looked at food. And it changed the way I looked at people when they ate chips. And it changed the way I looked at people when they refused to eat chips. I, don't, I know this sounds like I'm saying chips no, a lot. No, it's, it's so important. But it, this, so at 10 years old, I learned my mind exploded over hot chips mm. because my nan said this is this, some people don't eat it because it will make them fat. I was like, okay, cool. And that I remember that moment so strongly. But imagine being 10 and having access to Facebook or Instagram yeah. and having constantly these messages being sent to you about what you're supposed to look like, mm. what food you're supposed to eat, what foods you should definitely not eat, what word, like even just words, phrases that you should not know when you're that age. But it just, it, it makes me nervous. It makes me so nervous and actually quite overwhelmed. It's terrifying. And just what, what really strikes me is, is not, it's not just about the totally unachievable physical standards that they impose on little girls it's about you know this idea of maintenance like you know mm. you should do you should do your hair your makeup your nails your skin which puts such a time and effort load onto these tiny kids and an expectation that that's what women do to just do the bare minimum mm. right to be in being as you know our society and that takes away from all the time that they should be learning mm. and playing and developing mm. like it's it's just it's it's a siphoning away all this talent and focus and energy to something which is no we know effectively meaningless but still traps us right oh, yeah totally and it celebrates not only the aesthetics or not only the like the exterior like this is how you're supposed to look like this is it but it's also this is how you're supposed to act mm. it celebrates forever it will celebrate the extrovert and the, the introverts being like, I would feel uncomfortable posting a photo like that. Not necessarily because I don't like what, how I look, but I would never just throw my, safe, my like, selfie out there into the world and be like, what do you think, guys? That's just, that would not sit well with some kids. And if they don't do it, does that mean that they're not successful? They're outcasts. Yeah, then they don't. And it's, and it's that thing, right, where, where 
they're online and they're getting gratification in that one way by getting likes and comments, likes yeah. and comments. Like growing up in that context and framing your identity around that, like that has to have a pretty significant impact. And that that, that data on suicide rates is terrifying because it's showing us what that impact might be. Yeah, and you can't like it took me it took me years to process the chips comment. <laughs> I'm still processing it. I'm 34 years old. I'm still processing something that happened when I was 10. And was over tips, but it just that just be, being able to process some enormous like enormous thing. It doesn't even have to be personal. It just yeah. could be like um, say no to carbs. Carbs are not your friend. And as a ten year old, you eat toast for breakfast. Yes. Generally, you eat you need for it. Lunch. You need it. You come home, your mum's, your mum's made like stir fry with rice. You'd be like, wow, nothing in nothing that I do in my life as a ten year old is in my control. Yeah. And that is a really disempowering feeling. And kids feel that all the time. And then you put social media in there and it would be like, great, absolutely nothing is in my control. And this is so I understand why this like these statistics are the way they are with suicide. It's really, really sad. But it is like it makes sense. Mm. When will you let your girls use social media? <sighs> Do you know what? It's really hard. It's a really hard question. So I taught for eight years in high school and uh, the, the amount of kids who were addicted to their phones. It was only this year, 2020, uh, where, kid, where phones became banned in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So the kids had to have them either in their lockers, or and it was just like the rigmarole around this was just bananas. Like people having to, teachers being like, oh, you know, like there's another job for a teacher to be yeah, like, to do monitor, this, to, yeah, to monitor, to put them away. Because now is against... You know, the law kind of, kind of like you're going to go to jail if you practice that. I'll call the police (laughs) instantly and an ambulance just in case. And the fire trucks. I'll call in a helicopter. Where she's, I'm I'm here. (laughs) But it's so it was so teachers then had to monitor this. But the reason why it was there because. The bullying that happens online, it yeah. became, and also like you walk in out in the playground, and this is not just a school that I was teaching at. This is every school when when phones weren't banned, you'd walk into the playground, and it would be groups of kids. Kids aren't sitting necessarily by themselves; so they sit in a group, but on their phones, it's so or bad. on their phones. And so I was like, I you know, I had this lovely idea of of saying, oh. You know, I wouldn't give them social media, but that's just not realistic. No, so. they get, and, and the other thing is if, if you say that they can't have it, they're going to find a way to access yeah, it. So I think it's you have to kind of introduce it in really honest, controlled ways. And how, I, what is that? Like, I can't... Well, I, I remember know. finding out that um, that my one of my nieces, who's 13, um, had, like, an Instagram account that her mum monitored, but of course she had a secret one. Like, of course, like, it should be, you know, if they're not idiots, they know that there's some content that they can't share with you and that you won't see and they're going to find a way, right? And it's, it's, it's normal. It's teenagers are supposed to rebel. It's a really important stage of their development. Like I, I read this, I, I was talking to you about this really lovely book. Um, and it was unpacking the concept of, of what a good parent is. And it was the Bible. It was the Bible. <laughs> and I smited them. And I... <laughs> Through stones of my children, and now I am God. God was a great parent. Still is. Uh, so the concept of the in the book is a good enough parent, and this particular author was talking about what your job is, and your job as a parent is to disappoint your children enough every day in little ways, so that 
when they're when they grow up, they understand that the world is a really difficult and unfair place, which is a really difficult kind of concept to swallow. But it, it was, it, yeah, it's heartbreaking, yeah. right? But he talks about teenage, you know, teenagers in particular. And your teenager is supposed to rebel. They're supposed to hate you sometimes yeah. because you are the testing ground for the fact that life will be really challenging and unfair at times. And it doesn't go the way you want it to. No, it doesn't. You have attention. So yeah. when they go sneak online and get fake Instagrams, like real ones that you can't see, but they're fake to us because they're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's normal. And we should expect it. So, yeah protecting them in this context is really difficult because they don't want to be protected. They don't see the need to be protected. We will be the blocker. It is, yeah, but it is a terrifying world and I would love to know, I'd love to know, like, and there's research going into this all the time, how to make it safer mm. and um, that you can't have it is not the answer. No. They will find other ways, that's for sure, but it is, you know, some parents have um, their kids' passwords Password, which yeah. again, but again, if they're going to take account, exactly. But it is, yeah. I would, I would dread. I would really dread um, watching my teenagers just sit on Instagram, you sit on Instagram, yeah, and just, just sort of scroll, just scroll, and those tiny little messages that get sent to them all the time of you're not good enough, or you don't yeah. look the right way, or you don't act the right way, you're not brave enough, you're not confident enough. All of these things. You didn't get enough likes for that, you know. Constantly just chasing a standard. That is almost unachievable. Unless How do you think that standard makes you feel? Oh, I don't... Do, so since... Oh, I don't know. I feel like I've, I'd love to think that I'm past it. But sometimes those exercise ones are kicking yeah, me deep. Yeah, like I know. Or they'll be like, you... You know, like 28 days at the, this app. And it's... Something's for free. There's all these like tiny ways to... All these hooks... And you can use this and you'll be in no time lose this much weight. And so those are moments of weakness when yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, all I've eaten is hot chips and they're delicious. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening, man. <laughs> I've got to get this out. So I do, They it definitely, it definitely affects me, but I feel like now I'm a bit better at it. That's good. That's do you really feel good. like you're better at it? Uh, I'm getting I'm getting better at it kind of from I guess a philosophical standpoint of accepting that I'm aging but it's still it's still really confronting when particularly when some of the mummy blogs you know that like you know the Instagram mums are on and they're you know, they're in beautiful linen and they're so trim and so fit mm. and their life just looks gorgeous and I know rashly I know it's because they don't work you know or they work on I don't mean to undermine their work at all they're you know stay-at-home parents and that's a phenomenally difficult job and one that I would not be able to do but, you know, they have very, you know, they're wealthy and they have a particular way of presenting themselves. And, you know, it just makes me feel like shit sometimes because my yeah. life doesn't look like that. No. And to be able to afford to, to just be an influencer. Yeah would be quite extraordinary. Pretty lit. So if you guys, we've been talking again and again about Hyundai, so <laughs> you guys can fulfill our dreams right now and by calling we, us. As we are influencers, it is in your own interest. But I think, I think yeah, I reckon, I've, I reckon I've passed it, but if I got... We got, like, I don't, how old were you when Instagram happened or Facebook oh, happened? I, I think I remember getting a Facebook when I was maybe a teenager, like 18. No, Instagram I was, was later. around then. 2006. Instagram came out. Facebook. Maybe that's what, yeah. 
Well, we, you, you, were, you were 20. <laughs> okay. I was 12. I was, no, what is time? Again, what is time? But I remember getting, like, I was an earlier doctor. Oh, uh, I wasn't. I remember my brother making me, trying to get me to um, get onto MySpace. Oh, yeah, MySpace. And I was like, I'm not doing it. It looks annoying. I don't want to do it. And so what he did, this is my brother Hamish, the most horrible mongrel out there. He created a page for me under my name with all, all my details. But he changed like my he changed a lot of like my interests to be quite embarrassing things, <laughs> and my profile picture was a really bad photo of Britney Spears, so I had to change it all. And he was That's like, "So good, sucked in, you've got it." He's a real bully. Oh. So I, I, but I didn't really access that. And then I, I guess I don't know. I would have been maybe twenty one when I got a Facebook, maybe. But if I had Instagram at that horrible oh, age God. in my early twenties, yeah. early twenties. Who the hell? Brutal. Who are you? Who are you? What are you? I'm an adult. What? (laughs) I know how to pluck my eyebrows. (laughs) Nothing makes sense when you're in your early 20s, let alone when you're 10. Oh, it's so tiny. It is. Yeah. I think that we need... We need to move to the country to like one of those compounds where there's no electricity, no internet and just live off the land. It sounds like hell. (laughs) But... I did change my phone usage. This, oh, it, it has no. made a huge impact on me because my girls will watch me on my phone. They, like I'll be on my phone and I could just fall into a trap. There's this really couple of really um, things that stood out to me on the show. One of the on the movie. One of them was this guy who was one of the inventors of this. Like they understand how it all works. Mm. And, still, and all of them still said, "I'm addicted to it." So I'm still. I created it and I've fallen prey to this as well. One guy said that he'll pick up his phone. And just, he feels like he's just looked at it. And then when he puts it down, 20 minutes has just gone. And that's what it does. It It just sucks time away. And during the pandemic, that has been a little bit welcome. It's like, there is so much time happening now. I'm going to disappear into my phone for a bit. But the problem that we've had is we've had an audience for that. Yeah, exactly. We've had two, both of us have had two girls each that have just watched you know, not the whole time, that would be weird, but like, you know, just like, <laughs> get a job. <laughs> School's open, go back. No, it's not. Just go wait there. Get out of here. I'm on the phone. So you'd just be like scrolling through your phone and it could be like 40 minutes later. Easily. They'll come back in and I'll still sitting exactly the same spot, still completely in the nude. <laughs> still shitting yourself. <laughs> eating good got chips and crying be like this is, but you just it takes time away and I just can't do it anymore and so I have changed my ways I'm not I hardly go on Instagram because every time I go on it I, this this movie pops into my head and yeah. these statistics pop into my head and this the people who've explained how it works who kind of like burst the magic bubble that surrounds it surround it I'm like oh I don't want to actually be a part of that no, as much. No. I, we kind of have to be a little bit. Well, we do because we've got um, our wildly successful for <laughs> Sheila's Instagram page. Which we haven't posted on like three I, know, days. I told you about I gave up social media for a bit. <laughs> I'll be back on. I'll get on it in a sec. But just, just let me have a moment of feeling really pure and like a good mum. Speaking of good mums, mate. Yeah. This is a segue. <laughs> that was actually much better than usual. Oh, that's Thanks, mate. That's all right. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> because I have just been nice to you for the first time. I know, it's all day. Very confronting. Um, so, for bloody ages, like 10 years, right? 
outdoor playgrounds have finally reopened in Victoria. So we spent months walking past playgrounds that have been covered in tradie tape to hold the swings together and tape off the slide in case any naughty toddler decided to have a go, which Frida does every time just like this ferocious tiny one year old just storming like she walks like her head is attached to a rope that someone's pulling <laughs> like she's just falling forward and every time we see a playground she just storms and, and she's so fucking devastated Aww. when I have to take her away has these yeah. wild tantrums because she doesn't understand she's a very small idiot but it is it was um and my kids understood they're a bit older than Frida so four and six four and six I understood it but still it's just walking past it every time was horrible it was like um a new level of dystopia like you're just walking through with your face mask and you're like oh this is all right guys it's fine you can't come into the shops with me um you can't have anything one time I accidentally bought them an ice cream and this is right at the start when all kids were wearing face masks so I said we'll go for a walk we'll get a treat so I bought them an ice cream and um, then they just stared at me holding this ice cream and oh, a face mask. So I was like, it's okay, we'll walk past the playground and have a look at all the trading tape. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> but they're open, and we've been reminded that while kids love them, it's actually a place where there are a new set of rules for grown-ups. So, Claire, please stop weeing down the slide. <laughs> that is not a new rule. Many apologies for that one. No, I mean that there is a thing called park etiquette and it's actually excruciating. Yeah, it is. It is horrible. I remember saying early on this podcast a different time that um, I hated parks. Mm. So when you're like, oh, parks are closed. How devastating. I was like, actually, it's great. I hate going there. And it's not, I don't hate, like, I've got a few rules at the park. I don't push them on the swing. They've had to learn from. You don't do that. I don't do it. They had to learn from very early age to do that themselves and now they're absolute guns at it and so when I go to the park with other people's kids for example yours (laughs) I just have to spend the whole time going I don't do that and and Stevie's like Adi Braun please push me on the swing I don't do it but it's a firm rule I have because they hate it because I go to the park for them to have exercise yeah not for them to sit like a sack of shit on a swing and for me to push it and feel more tired no I have some self-respect. I won't do it. But I do... It's not. That's not the reason why I don't like parks. The reason why I don't like parks is the parental chit-chat that yeah. you have to endure. How old is he? Oh. How old is your one? So cute. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, someone... Like, a kid, like, you know, the, like you have to like worry if your kid's going to upset another kid. Yeah. And, or if like, someone else's kid's like horrible to your kid. It's like, you can't really say to the kid... Fuck off, dickhead. Yeah, but even though you desperately want to. <laughs> you just want to, right? You want to deck them. Yeah, the politics. Because you have to, you, it's a place where parents and children come together and you have to, like, mesh your parenting. Like, it's like all this parental, like, hodgepodge where it's like, oh, no, I let my kid pull hair. And another parent be like, oh, well, I'm calling the police. And it's like, well, it just, it's its actually so unrelaxing. It is. They're, they're, Kids don't notice it. They don't. They're having the best time of their lives. Meanwhile, we are dying. And with the with the pandemic, it comes with this extra level yeah. of fucking pressure. Because the other day, I went to the park with the girls and I had this delicious salmon bagel and a coffee. And I was like, oh, I just really want to eat this, all of this. And I pulled my mask aside, like, furtively. And I was taking just these bites of this really tasty bagel and then there's a couple of women just looking at me and shaking oh. and, like, and I was like just fuck off 
Have a single mother to two daughters. Like, <laughs> just stop bullying me, bitches. Oh, it's just so but much pressure. Not, they might not even have been doing that, but because now we're like, everyone is angry. Yeah. Like, everyone is, everyone's going to yell at me. Yeah. You think, oh gosh, they're definitely, they're definitely going to get cranky. They're probably me. just shaking their head about how good my face is. Wow, um, that lady's face is good. I'm going to shake my head at it. Exactly. It's too good. It's too good, Karen. Is it bleeding? Yes, she must have opened the car door very fast. <laughs> what a woman of power. Immense <laughs> strength. So, it, but I do, I, I was there, when I was there the other day, I was like, okay, this is all right. Let's just, just ignore everyone. But there was one woman who was insistent on being my best friend. So you're scrapped. <laughs> and she just kept saying, oh, I've seen you before at a different park. I was like, that's not me. <laughs> Nope, knock me, lady. And she just kept, like, you know, presenting her baby to me. And I was like, presenting? Just like, look at him. And I was like, no thanks. <laughs> no thank you. Picturing this lady like the Lion King. Look at it. <laughs> like she was trying to sell it to me. I was like, look, bitch, I've got heaps. I've got too many of those. But it, it becomes awkward. And it, if, if it's a place where you want to go, where a lot of parents want to go, to just sit down and zone out and just not talk to anyone else mate that is what i would do that's what you would do but there are other parents who go there to connect with another adult they might have been sitting at home all day yeah we're ourselves but i can't do it like Mm. i i feel like that is uh yeah it's horrible and then yeah that that chit chat that goes down i've had some really interesting chit chats though this one lady um had a little baby she was at the park this was years ago and i remember her saying to me Oh, you've got a small baby as well. How did you handle, um, I guess, post-pregnancy, like the newborn stage? I was like, um, I hated it. How are you? And she was like, oh, I had such a bad time. Um, I ended up in the psych ward. (gasps) And I was like, holy shit. So it got real so quickly. She might have that conversation with every single person. But I just remember feeling like exhilarated that there was a real conversation actually happening at the park where usually it's like, I'm, I'm Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> I don't He's care. eight months and two weeks old. <laughs> I know. He's very advanced. Oh God. He's eating tambour. I'm eight months old. Can't do that. So annoying. So it is, could you, do you have any fun park stories? Oh mate, I've, I've got one the other day. I've, I've, and my filter is getting worse and worse and I'm just, my boundaries aren't very good right now because I've been locked alone in my fucking house for seven years. So how long this has gone for? Giving yourself great exactly. damage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there, there was this woman there who I knew vaguely from a kid's birthday party. Totally lovely. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broad. I'm some psych ward. <laughs> How did you like having a new board? I am quite concussed. <laughs> um, and so this woman was like, oh, I knew, I know you from Lola's party. I was like, I've never seen you before, but okay, let's go with it. I'm mm. not very good at remembering faces no, or names. I'm very bad at it. But um, she was like, oh, is that your dog? And I was like, yes. So <laughs> I'm holding just some random <laughs> dog's leash. You're just my daughter. Oh, that's my husband. <laughs> And she was like asking all these polite questions about the dog and I was being polite and responding even though neither of us wanted to talk about the fucking dog or to each other. We were just doing it because that's what you do at the park. And she's like, why did you guys get a dog? Why did you decide to get a dog? And I was like, oh, because we were getting... (laughs) the same question every day. I was like, oh, because I got divorced. And she was like, what? (laughs) And 
And I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> I just I was like, it was the end of the relationship and didn't really know what else to do. So I got a dog, you know, so she's the divorce dog, which is funny, right? She'll never know that she's the divorce dog. And this lady is just looking at me, just like horrified, absolutely yeah. horrified. She just like backed away a little bit. She's like, fuck, this lady is going to really offload with all her trauma. <laughs> I don't have room for it. She's oversharing. She's oversharing. Like, I was like, what should I do? I should keep talking. Yes. So I was just, I was like, it's okay, really, because, you know, he's fine, we're fine. It was such a good move. <laughs> like, I'm really relieved that we did it. You know, it was not a good relationship. And she's just, like, backing away. And <laughs> just, like, a meter across the park, or 10 meters, 20 meters. And I'm like, but it's fine because, you know, he's just down the road and we share the kids. <laughs> lady who desperately doesn't want to speak to someone and say well, you know hello my name's Janet exactly he's I... 11 months two years and six weeks and three days old how about you babe what park stories do you have I have a few there was um mostly my best ones are from when the girls were tiny so I had Olive uh I had Olive and then 20 months later I had Edie so I had a tiny newborn and a very busy naughty uh, one-year-old and I was like, oh, I just would go to the park and just like hope Edie would go to sleep and hope Olive would run off the energy. And so it was a place of like such vulnerability where I had such huge hopes and that's oh, never good. No. It's a tired woman dragging herself to a park in the hope of two pretty impossible things happening. It's very sad. And I remember one stage, one time I went to the park and I sat on the swing and Edie had just gone to sleep and I was like amazing I sat on the swing and Olive was running around and I was so tired that I just kind of zoned out so deeply that I, I was basically asleep <laughs> with my eyes open I was just staring to the distance and I don't know how much time went away it's almost like I looked at Facebook and then like it was three at, days later yeah exactly and I kind of I don't know how long had passed maybe 15 minutes but I woke, I kind of, when I came to, there was a line of kids behind me waiting for the swing and um, like a bunch of parents kind of looking at me like, <laughs> she did. yes, selfish bitch, get off the swing. And I stood up and I was so, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then I did that thing of being like, I'm just really tired. Oh, no. And the parents were not, you know, usually someone says I'm really They're tired like, and go, yeah, I'm sorry. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that looks hard. Having a newborn's hard, but everyone was like, okay, all right, it's fine. But can my son use the swing? I was like, no, it's the absolute worst. It's that lack of lack of empathy. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Another one where I just completely lost my mind and didn't care was another time Edie was a new newborn, put her in the pram, put Olive on the swing, and I pushed. I pushed at that stage. She was one. She was one. I was such a good mum when she was one. So I pushed her as hard as I could, and then I charged around the tambark with Edie in the pram, and she was screaming so loudly. Oh, God. And Olive just kept yelling, "Push me!" And I put my headphones in, 
and it was Tina Arena. I'm in chains. You know it. So yes, yeah, so on point, mate. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was really singing to me. <laughs> and because I knew all the words, I sang it because I could still hear Edie and Olive with oh. her complaining. So I sang it as loud as I could. And it was really quite early in the morning, so all these commuters were like walking past the park, <laughs> Man, I and I couldn't. I was like, I, I need this. You want to sing really loudly that it, you feel. It feels so good. And I had to. I was like, I'm in chains. I'm charging around. I probably had like two different shoes on. <laughs> That no oh, one spoke to me that day. No, or ever again. Have you had a negative park experience? Oh, yeah, mate. I've had a few. Um, mostly mostly with children who were kind of violent or yeah. kind of unkind to my kids. But most of them have been very internal. Like, I felt like I had to perform or behave a particular way or show that I was coping to the other parents. But that, interestingly, since I had Frida, has lifted yeah. to the point where... We were at the park for the first day that we were allowed to go. And if it was Stevie as a tiny baby, we'd be hovering, like trying to look like a good mum, being like, look at me, I'm surviving and she's mm. alive. And Frida's like, I don't give a shit, she's breathing. Yeah. Which is gorgeous. <laughs> and there was this, there was a family there and they've obviously made like chocolate cupcakes to celebrate being back at the park. And she just storms up to them, these little kids getting cupcakes, and she just held out her hand. And if it was me when Stevie was younger, I'd be horrified, like mortified, and run around and go, no, 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 and then be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't bring her any snacks. I'm a bad mum. Mm. But I just, I just watched, I just watched, and and then she's looking around like, who owns this tiny <laughs> child? And I sorted up. I was like, I'm sorry, it's mine. She's really hungry. But I'm just I'm waiting. I didn't give her. I was like, you have like my my eyes were looking at her eyes, going, you have to give her a cupcake or you piece of shit. Yeah, it would be so and, cool. And then if she's you like, she's like, does she want a cupcake? She obviously did want to give her a cupcake. I was like, yeah, she wants a cupcake. Obviously, look <laughs> yeah, at her. Like, look at her. She's so little. <laughs> and Frida picked it up. She, um, I was like, thanks. <laughs> and Frida picked it up, licked the icing, a little bit of icing, smushed it all over her face, and then chucked the cupcake oh, face down gosh. in the jam bag. I was like, I'm so sorry. She's such a piece of shit. And that woman would that be like, was like, I hate parks. Yeah, yeah. This is the last time I go. I oh. really don't want to go. <laughs> How about you, mate? Have you had some bad experiences? Um, I've, I've, there was this one which was, I had this one where this, um, yeah, a little boy who was um, quite really violent. And Ooh, it was, and it was really, and I didn't, usually when there's a kid who's quite violent, the, the parent knows that they're a bit yeah, violent. And the parent be. will kind of be there and be like, hey, I'm sorry, look, he doesn't understand. And like, your kid will get belted or your kid will get kicked yeah. or something. And that's like little kids, it just little, happens, right? They're right? idiots. They're still learning. Kids are, Kids are just a violent beasts, but we, but this kid, he was baby, he was bigger than Olive, so he was five and she was maybe three and a half. And I remember watching her, and this kid like came over and um, like pushed her over, and I was like, okay, um, that was violent. So I picked her back up, and I was like, it's okay. And I said to the little boy, just be careful, she's a bit smaller than you. And he ran around in a circle and came back and like whacked her as hard oh, as he could. Girl. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I kind of looked in the direction where his mum was standing and she was talking. And I was like, okay, she's not seen it. It's, I, but I don't, I really don't want to reprimand this kid. That's not yeah. mine. So I was like, hey mate, please don't hurt her. It's not a good idea. It's actually a bit unkind. And the whole time I just wanted to um, Murder push him kid. over. Yeah, kill just, him. Like, you know, that lioness comes yeah. out and be like, touch my kid again. I'm going to slash your tires. And so he, 
so um, eventually, uh, uh, eventually he was like pushing her off the swing. So I went over and I picked her up. I said, "Mate, you need to leave her alone, please." And he, as I was walking away, he was whacking her, like punching her in the legs oh as I was holding God. her. He's not scared of me at all. And I'm a terrifying woman. You're very frightening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I was, as I was walking away, and I, like, I turned around to the mum, and I just, uh, uh, she was still not doing anything. She could see what was happening at oh this stage. God. She obviously was very tired, but I yelled at him. I said, stop doing that. Do not touch her again. And I was so ready <laughs> For someone, for that woman to yell at me. Yeah. Like I was ready for that to happen. And I was nervous because it's like in front of kids, in front of other parents, like the most judgmental place for parents to be. And then a parent yelling at you. It's like, oh. But I do, um, she ended up coming over and just taking his hand and moving him to another part of the park. And we Did left. she apologize? No. Oh, man. She should have. She should have. But who knows? Like, I don't know what she saw or not, but he, he just went away and terrorized some other kid. Yeah. And it'd be really hard to have a violent kid. It would be really, really hard. They're working out how that all works. It's so embarrassing and so tiring to monitor it at all. But, you know, it's that thing where it's your job to protect your kid, right? That's your job. Yeah. So fuck everyone else's kid. Exactly. So then I I, I did. I slashed his tires. (laughs) He's dead now. I saw every single bike on the way out. Every kid's bike. I just slashed all of them. One of them was probably his. So parks are open again. If you see us down there... If you talk to Bron, she'll probably damage your property. If you Mm. talk to Claire, she'll yell at you. She'll understand. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So just don't talk to us is the advice. Just... Yeah, I think just um, re- recognize that parks are actually quite an uncomfortable place for a lot of people. Very vulnerable. Things that I've learned. Some people are just desperate for human connection. They are really just want to chat to you. Also, some people just really want a moment of silence, and that's okay. Some people just want to eat their bagel. Delicious. And some people want to yell at you about their divorce dog. <laughs> I feel like I, it me. <laughs> I've just listed all Claire. <laughs> Okay, you guys, we have been good Sheilas. This has been episode 26. Get out of town. Actually, I might have made that up. I have no idea what number it is. It's either 24, it's, 5, 6, or 7. It's one of those episodes. Good for us. We're sticking to it. Yeah. And you guys are still listening. I know. amazing, and thank Dead you. Dead set weirdos. I did. We, we talked about social determinants today, not because I thought it was um, something that was, not only because I thought it was something that was really interesting or we thought was was powerful, but because uh, a listener had, commented, had contacted us and told us that this is something that they would like us to talk about. Mm. If, you, if there is a burning topic that you find really interesting, if there is something that you think we... Uh, um, not necessarily we would have a good opinion on that we would any opinion, talk about. Any like opinion. anything. Exactly. We will very shallowly re- research it and then we'll have a very staunch opinion. On it. <laughs> exactly. And then we'll talk to each other and about half of the words will be wrong. But it will be a vibe. <laughs> but if you would like that, that's great. You said to contact us. Contact. Okay, you guys, have a beautiful week. We love, love you guys. Bye. Bye.